I'm the buddy of better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, we've got James. Hello. And Calvin. That's me. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. If you were a Pokemon, what would your type combination be? Those are words that I know the meaning of. Type combination. No, this is a good question. Um. So, Calvin, your favorite Pokemon, Chikorita, is a grass type. And yes. your other favorite Pokemon, Ditto, is a normal type. So, so I a... guess I'm normal grass. What about Eevee? What is Eevee? Eevee is normal. normal, but all its evolutions are different types. Nah, we'll stay normal. I don't like the evolutions. There you go. I'm a normal grass. What about you, James? I would want to do, like, psychic fighting. I think that'd be pretty cool. Because it, it, like, I could be, like, like totally in tune with my body and my mind. <laughs> Meditate. All Shit. Right. I was going to go water fighting, because I just want to be a polyrath. Oh, hell yeah. Hell polyrath. It's a frog-like Pokemon that has big fists me- and punches things, but also swims real good. Yeah, it's got Mickey Mouse gloves that'll knock you the, it'll, it'll knock you the fuck out with them. Real hard. And Is I polyrath like- final evolution of... Yeah. Uh, polyrath, it's poly... Poliwag, Poliwhirl, Poliwrath. Unless you give Poliwhirl a King's Rock, then it's a Politoed. And it's just a green and yellow water Pokemon. But like... Did that evolution... Was that present in Kanto? Or nope. did that come with Johto? Johto. Okay. Interesting, yeah. Which as a 10-year-old, 8-year-old, whenever I started playing Pokemon, that made me very confused. Because by that point in our lives, Pokemon was already on to Hoenn. And so Politoed existed, and I could see it in things like online images, but I had no idea how to get one in Fire Red, and I was very annoyed. I think, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I think Hoenn might be my favorite. Like, uh, like Pokemon Ruby may genuinely be, I think I've said it before, but I, I do think it, it genuinely may be, like, it is maybe one of my, my, my favorite games. I love that game so much. This icebreaker brought to you by the fact that Pokemon Legends Arceus comes out the day this episode drops. And we want to get in on that hype train. Is that the one... Wasn't there one that came out for the Switch a while ago? Uh, Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond came out a couple weeks ago, or a month ago, or whatever. Uh, remakes of the original Diamond and Pearl. And now, tomorrow, Pokemon Legends Arceus is a brand new game. Set and in the... what? What? I just Am didn't I hear. Okay. Uh, oh, bye. Um, oh, no. Um, Hello? Hi, welcome yeah. back. Right, we can hear you. You're fine. What was your question? Oh, no, I thought you dropped, so you stopped on the word and. So I was like, and what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, so Bro- oh, Shining oh, Pearl and Diamond remakes, and then Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is an open-world, Monster Hunter-esque game, where the Pokemon will, if you like sneak up on a big old Pokemon, it'll literally beat the shit out of you. That's pretty cool. This is the way. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick it up, and it might be my recommendation in a couple weeks. Oh, is it for? Let me. Is Switch. it for Switch? Yep. 
very nice. Probably, probably their smartest product move since like the Wii. The DS. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say the DS because I don't think the Wii like. I think a lot of people bought the Wii because of the initial novelty and like the yeah. Wii, was, but like, I think like in terms of the sheer utility and marketability, like I think this is this is basically like the DS, yeah, except but it's money says otherwise. <laughs> Oh, you mean like its cost? Sales. Like its price? I oh, think the DS sold better than the Wii. Did it? I thought Wii was like one of the top, if not the top. I didn't. I know PS2 is. Been, oh, or, or do you mean of uh, Nintendo? Yeah. All right. Uh, Nintendo sales. Let's see here. Best-selling video game console of all time. I'm it's looking the at just video game consoles. Wikipedia. Nintendo Wii sold the 101. The Game Boy did better. The DS fam okay, DS family did 154 million units, whereas the Wii only did 101 million units. Yeah. Oh. Damn. Uh, That's the, so the Game Boy and Game Boy and Game Boy Color did more units than the Wii. So the list is PlayStation 2, Nintendo DS family. Game Boy Game Boy, Game Boy Color is one unit. PlayStation 4, original PlayStation, Wii, and then Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Wow. Xbox really fucking lagging in that one right there. Uh, Nintendo Switch, and then PlayStation 3, and then the Xbox 360 finally shows up. The Xbox One doesn't show up until 1, 2, 3, 4 after that. Uh, from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One, you've got the Game Boy Advance family, the PlayStation Portable, Nintendo 3DS family, and the NES slash Famicom. Yeah. But, I think it's to worth be fair, noting... fair, some of those... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, it's worth noting that, like, Nintendo 64 and GameCube, which have, like, a ton of nostalgia value to them, are even further down on that list. Oh, GameCube did absolutely terrible. It really did. In actual sales. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, no, the GameCube was, like, awful. 21 million. Dude, that sucks. Like, I thought I I thought game game cubes were like some of the coolest things when I was like a, a younger kid, like in elementary school. Like, I I loved it. Uh, yeah. No, I I guess that makes sense though. At least with that, I don't know with Xbox. Like, I always think of Xbox as mainly just being like an American product. That's the thing. Than, yeah. yeah, yeah. PlayStation and Sony have always had a massive presence in both America and Japan. Whereas the Xbox is like just America. Yeah. So I guess that the sales make sense. And I guess to be fair too, like although you could say the same thing for the PlayStation with Sony where they arguably don't really need like I mean, I would assume now because of how well the products did, like a lot of their a lot of their bottom line is probably covered by their like video game or entertainment department, but Microsoft definitely doesn't really need like the yeah. money from Xbox. Them. like that's almost probably more of like a pet project for them than anything i mean but, i don't know they might need it now they just spent 70 billion dollars what do you guys think about that isn't that insane isn't that that's, like kind of microsoft just is like a infinity ridiculous on game console or not game console, yeah, but on game studios. studios and publishers yeah no it's like an insane amount of money i some guy i was talking to, to uh one of my friends at work and uh he said that, like, apparently that's it's like pretty close to the amount that like Disney paid for 20th Century Fox, I think. Yeah. Which is 
kind of nuts. And the fact that now Microsoft technically owns Warcraft, <laughs> um, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, the 20th Century Fox acquisition is listed as $71 billion. So wow. it's off by like $2 billion. Yikes. Oh, dude. I mean, how long do you think that was in the works? That, while. That's a long time thing. Yeah, yeah that's not that a... doesn't just that doesn't just happen. Because <laughs> oh, I'm thinking like, I wonder, I, I know, obviously, you know, Activision is like, a, like, it's one of the biggest publishers um, in the industry. Mm-hmm. Blizzard, obviously a fanatically well-known IP, but you just wonder what specifically, because $70 billion, that they had to be shelling out money for that for years. What has Activision done lately, though? Like, I can't... A lot. I, I remember Activision as a company, but I don't remember what it's done. Uh, They published all of the Call of Duty games. They did... um. They're do uh well here let me pull up their website I know they've done a ton I can't just not yeah Call of Duty's the big one Tony Hawk Crash um Byro Sekiro Shadows Die Sekiro yeah Sekiro um, I mean Call of Duty alone is a massive franchise yeah. uh most of these are Call of Duty yeah <laughs> are you on their website as well I just went to Google Activision video games list and the First six are Call of Duty Mobile, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Vanguard, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Yeah, see, that's the problem is that those are direct Activision games. If you go into the actual company, I think it expands a lot more because then, there, yeah, because there's subsidiaries of, oh yeah, here we go, Activision Blizzard. Um, Hots. Corporate structure, products. Yeah, see, they just list just Activision games. But if you go into, like, then you have to go into... Let's I can't see. find a good list. But their subsidiaries are uh, Demonware, High Moon Studios, Infinity Ward, Ravensoft, Sledgehammer Games, Toys for Bob, Treyarch. So anything that they put out is also by Ravensoft. Activision video games what did raven software raven software raven software is call of duty i believe raven raven software is actually based in madison if Um, i'm they did it is it's based in madison wisconsin i wanted to apply for a job there when i was in high school but there was no job for being a writer so i was like damn they did Um, quake 4 in 2005 wolfenstein they did jedi They did Star Wars Jedi Knight. X-Men Legends. I have X-Men Legends for the GameCube. And a bunch of Call of Duties. It looks like they're doing a bunch of the recent Call of Duties. Yeah. Fucking hate Call of Duty. (laughs) I don't don't hate it. Like, I got a chance to play it quite a bit a couple years ago over about a month-long period. And uh, I honestly, I started to have way more fun with it than i thought i would um but uh like i don't think it's actually like that bad it just takes me off how much goddamn time energy money artistic talent is devoted to this one goddamn franchise that pumps out generally the same thing every year 
That's their yeah. biggest. Without it it's even like being Call- like really like no one plays Call of Duty for the story, you know? No, yeah, it's, it's like not anymore. No, yeah. To a degree, like arguably, it makes it like a very pure, like in this, not in the sense of like you know, like clean or whatever, but pure as in like it is purely just a stripped down. It's just a game. Like you know exactly what you're getting every time, and the goal is more the gameplay. But they game keep play. adding studios on to work on it. Like let some people make some, it's like it's the same. It's the same argument people have about like franchise blockbusters dominating the movie scene in the last decade yeah. of like make something else. Yeah. No, and I I can totally no it well because that's the thing too is one of the arguments that you hear is for that kind of like economic model is like oh well you know we'll have these big tentpole like movies or these big tentpole games but then you know we'll make enough money so that we can fund like smaller projects like more independent like artistically driven ones but the problem is is that like those the, the like. The more money you want to make from a big tentpole game, the more money you have to sink into it. So the cycle becomes less about like it becomes like like Ouroboros like it just starts to eat its own tail because you literally wow. uh, like start just making movies to make a shit ton of movie, money so you can make more movies that'll make a shit ton of money. So you, it's kind of well, like the whole like I think the like, big difference, too, is like. If you want to make a movie, you need a crew, film equipment, like, scripting. Like, there's so much stuff that goes into it that, at certain points, unless you want to make, like, a really art house film of one person living in their one-room apartment in the city, like, you need more than one person to work on it. Have to. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, indie games, the gaming scene is clearly shown indie games can survive on solo developers, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, didn't um, didn't the guy who made Undertale? What wasn't it just one dude who did so. like everything? Stardew like, Valley was the- literally one. The guy who made Stardew Valley sat down one day and was like, "I think he got laid off from a job or something." It was just like, "I have nothing better to do with my life. I'm going to teach myself to make a video game." And it, he that's spent true. years on it. Like it wasn't like he just churned it out in a month. He spent years working on it. But when he released it, it worked. I think that's like insane. I mean, there's a lot to be said for somebody who can do something like that. And it is unfortunate because like, I don't know, it's kind of like, like Minecraft is a really classic example, right? Like I know that Notch, like he wasn't the only one who made Minecraft. Like Mo Yang was a studio by then, right? And, yeah. and you know, but you know, obviously Minecraft had a very, at least in the beginning stages from what I remember, like it had a very unique feel to it there really wasn't like anything like it on the scene and it felt very like personal it felt very like you know uh, someone's like artistic view of like what a game could be which was really really cool and then obviously it, it you know then it followed like a life cycle we've seen where it's like something that an, an independent person makes gets noticed by a larger company or studio or whatever and they just like kind of snatch it up and yeah. like buy it off um, I mean, can you imagine if Notch had held on, if Mojang had held on to the Minecraft IP? Well, that, to be I mean, fair, Mojang did hold on to the Minecraft IP. They just got <laughs> bought by Microsoft. Yeah, Notch just didn't hold on to Mojang. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. And honestly, I don't think Notch is complaining too much. No, uh, yeah. It, he got does paid. He get, does he get, like, dude, if I was him, though, like, I would take a pay 
cut in the initial offer if it meant that I could get royalties and some kind of like say creatively like for company kind of decisions or actions in perpetuity. Like yeah, that's... I don't think anyone would ever agree to that kind yeah, of deal. I, you know, <laughs> that's I know. That's the thing is like that's a really like pie in the sky. It wouldn't be like a majority thing, but the be only like, way you get that is when you're George Lucas negotiating for toy rights before Star Wars has come out. Yeah, that's very fair, and that that was obviously, as we all know, like more of a fluke than anything. Um, exactly. No, I. I don't know. I, I I will be very interested. I'm sure that Microsoft really bought. I, I wonder if they think there's something valuable. I, I know that they probably, you know, pursued it because, you know, if it's up for grabs, why not? But one, it's clear that they want Activision's distribution network or their access to all those subsidiary studios and whatever IP they have. But two, I really wonder if they know that, like, either Activision or Blizzard were working on something and they just wanted it before those people could like put it out. Um, I have no idea, I guess. Uh, yeah. Well, I think at that, this is a good way to jump into our butter, better buddies recommend for the week where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Uh, and since we're talking about video games, I'll start us off with a video game. I'm going to oh, recommend yeah. Spider-Man Miles Morales for the PS4 slash PS5. Is this a game or is this a DLC to the Spider-Man PS4 This is a standalone game. game. It is a technically a sequel to the first Spider-Man PS4 game. Because, um, spoiler alert, in the P- Spider-Man PS4 game, Miles gets bitten by the spider and gets powers. And the game literally, I think, like ends with... Miles, like, Spider-Man has lost everything, so he's, like, living with Miles' family for a little bit. And Miles is like, hey, Pete, uh, there's something I gotta show you. And he jumps up onto the ceiling and clings to the ceiling. And Pete's like, Pete just jumps up after him and shows him. So then Miles Morales opens with Pete being like, alright, we've been doing some training. Here's your training, like, we're gonna go out on this thing. Rhino breaks out, and so they take down the rhino and the first boss battle is you beat up the rhino and after that pete's like all right i'm going on this work trip for a couple weeks here's a spidey suit for you so that you could be spider-man while i'm gone you're spider-man now nice wait uh, i have a question so does does spider-man ever have does peter parker ever have a i know that he has doc ock and kurt connors yeah mentor figures does he have a, ever have a mentor figure who doesn't at one point try to kill him um what's the fun of that computing it's fair computing <laughs> <laughs> uh technically no i don't think so that's still depressing but that's even cool. uncle ben in a latest short series marvel put out called uh oh, it was amazing fantasy uh a bunch of heroes have near-death experiences are in the afterlife and while he's in the afterlife spider-man meets uncle ben who berates him mercilessly beats the shit out of him and like is horrible to him i just i i just like the idea of uh there being like a one edition comic that's titled uh what if uncle ben tried to fucking kill (laughs) spider-man i mean in the spider-verse there was a uh in the expanded Spider-Man verse, there is a horror version of Peter Parker and Uncle Ben where they're just 
dirtbag people. Like, Peter Parker's psychopathic, tortures animals, starts fires, and Uncle Ben is a drunkard, awful person. Aunt May is dead. And it's like a horror movie story where Peter gets bitten and he eventually just turns into a giant spider monster thing that's, like, hiding in Peter's skin and he eats Ben and MJ. Fuck, that is kind of terrifying. Yep. Also in Spider-Verse, there was a reality where uh, Uncle Ben got bitten rather than Peter, and Ben decided not to use his powers for anything, and Peter dies, and Ben eventually, long story short, winds up in a fallout shelter hiding from a monster that eats spider totem people, people with spider powers, and a nuclear Mm -hmm. war happens and the entire planet is dead except for Ben in this fallout shelter. Wow, dude. Yeah. Someone uh, someone was, was having a little bit of a rainy day when they wrote that one. My God. Um, but Miles Morales, the game, I think it's worth getting and picking up as a standalone like Spider-Man game because they do some different changes mechanically. Miles has his Venom Blast powers and his camouflage, which they I think they did a really good job of reworking the controls to add those abilities while still making it feel natural. Um, so do you still have... Suits abilities like you did in the first Spider-Man? Yes, but they divide it up between um, visor abilities, like your eyes, and then suit abilities. Okay. And instead of like the suit abilities being like the ultimates, you charge it up, press the button, and do like... If you're wearing the spider armor arms, the forearms come out and help you fight. Or the web blaster that you spin around to web everything around you... Um, you don't necessarily have those final moves, but you have more powerful moves where you've got, like, two Venom Bars. And if you charge up the Venom Bar, you can hold the L1 button and then press, like, your punch attack and do a super punch. And when you punch an enemy with that, they're electrically charged and stunned, and, like, if they run into a bunch of other enemies, those enemies are also stunned. So it gives you some more, like, combat options. So they balance it with the fact that you have your other abilities just naturally as Miles? Yep. Okay, that makes sense. so much easier, though. Good lord. Like, because Miles can turn invisible, and it's a pretty decent invisibility bar, as long as you don't, like, attack anybody. So you can do, like, stealth missions where you're just crawling all over the place, nab people left, right, and center, and if anyone accidentally spots you, you just go invisible... And run away and like just hide somewhere. Like you just zip line across the room twice and you're gone and they can't find you. And you can go back to just stealing people stealthily. Whereas in the original Spider-Man game, if you mess up a stealth mission, it's just a fight at that point. They also do a pretty good job with the uh, Tinkerer and the um, Prowler. So if you've seen Into the Spider-Verse, Prowler's his uncle, uh, Aaron. And in Spider-Verse, he's like an out-and-out bad guy. He's just a bad guy. But in this one, they do a really good job of saying, like, showing, like, hey, this guy's a criminal. He cares about his nephew, but because he's been a criminal for so long, he's not very good at making good choices. I think that kind of comes across in Spider-Verse. Uh, I think it comes across, but I don't think we have enough time in Spider-Verse to really develop it beyond, like, he hesitates to kill him. Yeah. Yeah, but you get to, you get the moments of him with Miles, yeah. and you get to see that he actually cares about Miles and is a nice guy fair so i i would then restate it that we get that but you have more time to develop it yeah which is fair uh they also have some really great suits 
the cat suit. There's a, after the game ends, you can, uh, there's a suit you unlock where you're just Miles in the spider suit, but you've got a backpack with a cat in it, and the cat's wearing a little Spider-Man mask. You have to wait until the end of the game for that? I thought you could get that before then. Oh, that's kind of dumb. Um, but there's a bunch of other really cool looking suits that they got for it. Um, there's one suit that your helmet, it's kind of like a Daft Punk helmet. Which I just happened to be wearing when I started a side quest thing to find a bunch of audio files to make music. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, the game definitely feels a little shorter because it isn't. It was a side game built on the same engines and stuff that they did for the original Spider Man PS4. But I think it's fun. It was worth it. Made me excited for the uh, official Spider Man 2. Yeah, that should be. Awesome, because the first one was amazing. Yeah. They had a cutscene at the end of Miles Morales, at, like, during the credits, that alluded to the second one and the villainy that's going to happen. And it was like, ooh. Heck yeah. Fun, fun. Yeah. That's my recommendation. Who would like to go next? I'll go. Mine will be pretty quick. What you got? Uh, it's already been recommended by, and we talked about it already, RJ. But second season just started, Dungeons and Daddies. And this it's time, been recommended before, but now season two, with an acronym. Yep, I won't spoil season one, so I won't go too much into the premise of season two because if you haven't listened to it, you really should listen to it from the beginning. It's a lot because there's like sixty, what five, sixty-six episodes in I season 66. one. Sixty-six. And they're about an hour. Each one's about an hour to an hour and a half long. Um, and it's really good. Listen, quite enjoyable. Uh, I hate all of, well, I don't hate, but I don't like pretty much any other D and D podcast or show, but I really like this one. Um, they pretty, they play pretty fast and loose at times with the rules and just have fun with it and tell a good story at the same time. So would recommend season two starting up came out this week. So, yeah, go back, finish all of season one so you can start season two. I guess you could listen to season two without starting season one. Um, You'll be a bit lost on the world building um, because the premise is like a continuation of season one in a way. So you'll be a bit lost, but you probably, depending on where the... I mean, we only got one episode, so depending on where the season goes, you could probably follow along without needing season one and honestly that might be interesting because some of the characters in season two don't know what happened in season one mostly actually most of the characters but like i think it's worth noting that uh season two's premise does start with the grandchildren of the season one characters so there's a time jump in between yeah um i also want to note that unlike a lot of unlike vast majority of podcasts out there done maybe not vast majority but a lot of podcasts out there dungeons and daddy's is literally like a writer's room. They mm-hmm. all have experience writing, particularly yeah. for film and television. So they know what they're doing with storytelling too. And like, they all know each other well enough to play off of each other and have an idea of where the others are going so that they can naturally keep the story flowing rather than like a bunch of amateurs who are just, who don't know how to professionally yeah. write stories. Yep. So that's my rack. He's just Dungeons and Daddies again. James, go. Hell yeah. 
really quick, can you remind me what's like um what's like the humor style? Like what's the appeal specifically? Do you, Why, do you, do you know, know Freddie Wong? Wong? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's he one plays. of the he's one of the car- yeah, he's one of the guys and then two of the other guys are writers for video game high school and other stuff that Freddie has done with Rocket Jump. So if you know Rocket Jump and that humor style, that's it's right in line with that. The DM did writing for Tales from the Bor- Tales from Borderland, right? I think so. It, um, it, one of the Borderland game stuff. He did some writing for a Borderlands game. Um, Will Campos is he, one of the guys, uh, and he worked on video game uh, high school. Video game high school. Um, and then he had a Hulu I'm show. I forget what it's stuff. called. He does not have a lot of filmography. Okay, never mind. No, but a lot of it's internet stuff, which can sometimes get left out. But yeah, so if you know Freddie Wong and Rocket Jump, that's a pretty good vein to like as a description. I feel like. Oh yeah. It's Will Campos, Matt Arnold, Anthony Beth Birch. May, What's Anthony, Anthony Birch. Birch. His belt. Uh, hey Ash, what you playing? Um, what and else? He's writer for Borderlands, and yep. he also, uh, yeah, his sister. I'm looking yes. at their wiki right now. Apparently, his sister, because his sister is like, she became like an actual like voice actress. Yeah. Yep. Anthony Birch wrote for Adventure Time. Did he really? Yeah, and Tales from the Borderlands, Borderlands the pre sequel, and Borderlands Two. There we go. Nice. Uh, Matt Arnold was the other one I wanted to check because I know he's done writing, but I don't know what he's done. Also, video game high school stuff with Will and Freddy. Matt Arnold looks exactly like I expected Matt Arnold to look, <laughs> except without any facial hair. I don't think this is the right Matt Arnold. <laughs> um, so apparently, there is a Matt Arnold that was manager of the Brewers. He's an American baseball yeah. executive. <laughs> Wrong, Matt Arnold. Very nice. wrong, Matt Arnold. Very nice. All right, James, what do you got? All right. Um, I got a book. A book called uh, My Year of Rest and Relaxation. Um, it is a fiction book. It was written in 2018, I believe. The author's name, uh, her name is Otessa... I, I do not know how to pronounce her name. I've heard it in interviews and I have forgotten. But it's Moshfe. Yeah, Moshfe. it's like Moshfe. Like I, I, I don't know like how hard or soft the GH is <laughs> that. So um but it's it's uh, I loved it. Uh this is a book that like it's enjoyed a bit of like um I see it talked about on like some of my social profiles and stuff and I kind of just ended up like wandering over and checking it out. Um, it's it's oh boy, who'd we lose? Oh boy, I think we I think Calvin died. Well, uh, so you've damn. saw it on your socials. Yeah, it's it's about uh, it's about a young woman who um, decides that she wants to try and sleep for a year. Uh, I can yeah. relate. <laughs> so that's so unhealthy. Is- this isn't like a Rip Van Winkle thing, though. This isn't like, oh, like I'm going to sleep straight for a full year. Her goal is to just sleep as much as possible. So she basically finds this like ad hoc psychiatrist in a phone book um, and uh, goes to her and gets prescribed just a shit ton of different medication and uh, goes back to her apartment and attempts to 
basically sedate herself consistently. And the book basically just follows her over the course of this year um, as she as she just kind of ruminates on like what she's doing, like why she thinks she's doing it, her interactions with her friend. This is a fiction book. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's, it's pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, I I didn't think there was contemporary fiction being written like this. It literally reads like, um, it reads like clueless meets like Dostoevsky. Like it, it reads like some bizarre American. Because the thing is, is that the protagonist is very it. You, it's a, it's told all in the first person, but the protagonist uh, consistently is like. Um, it's emphasized that she's like uh, she comes from money. Um, she is by herself and by other characters in the novel stated to be like absurdly pretty like model level status but she is this like dispossessed young woman living in a new york a like loft who is just basically done with life and has sunk into this kind of ennui and is trying to figure out sort of the cause of it to some capacity um it better have a really good payoff ending because my gut reaction like this is just my gut reaction right now is fuck off it does no that's the thing is like it sounds so fucking pretentious and corny and bad that's the exact word i had was pretentious yeah but the thing is like this novel also has a huge sense of really sharp humor and self-awareness about what it's doing um is i think it's really 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 well done i would i would encourage people to pick it up because this is something that i think deserves wider recognition um people joke all the time that they want like a movie about this starring like uh like anya taylor joy or like oh, Emma stone that, that's exactly yeah. who i pictured when you first said wanted a movie about. I, I was like this is anya taylor joy no like she would do so well and the thing is too is like like i don't know uh it would be so cool if it happened the next couple of years because uh, we get, we, yeah, she would be like perfect for the role um, as she is like right now. But no, I, I would, I would encourage, you can obviously read previews on the internet and stuff like that. Um, I would encourage like checking it out. It's so maybe the, the first page might be kind of like off putting because it is told in this very kind of like, you can hear the vocal fry. <laughs> in uh in in the narrator's voice um but again there is like a self-awareness and humor that i found like really enjoyable and cathartic um but it still manages to tell a great story and i will say to rj the payoff for the end of this book is amazing i would definitely like and the nice thing too is it's not very long it's under 200 pages you could probably if you wanted to get through it and like you especially could get through it in probably like a day. Yeah, um, that's like a book in a day. Yeah, that's so an afternoon. it's it's uh, I I would definitely I would definitely recommend it. I think it's just like really really fun. Um, All right, the pro- like at work this morning there was a book that I had to like go return somewhere, and I read I skimmed through the first chapter of it. I don't remember what it was called, but it was basically the first chapter was a guy bitching about how poor he was and how it was awful that he was poor, but he had to like, he made poor choices about college and like debt and all that stuff. And then 
he was like trying to get his writing career off the ground and he had to go debate somebody who he staunchly disagreed with and mm-hmm. he didn't want to, but he was getting paid for it. His first paid speaking gig. So he went anyways. And the whole time, like as I was skimming through it, it just, the only thing that just kept coming to mind was like, dude, you you're fucking like this book has a ton of sh- good reviews on the back. It clearly sold well. It's your second book. You're fucking succeeding. And you're going to bitch about how you had to struggle to get here a little bit. No, I like, mean, the opening chapter of your book is bitching about success. Like, that's the thing, too, is is the the novel is kind of a send up of per, like personalities like that. The, the main character's best friend is th- basically the only other character other than the narrator herself uh, who enters into the story for any significant amount of time. And the interplay between them is fascinating because that type of person that you're describing is part and parcel what the main character's best friend is like. So um, it, it's just it's so well done. Like I, I would. Yeah, I would. I would encourage this novel. It's like people I've heard people joke and they call it like the female uh, like taxi driver or <laughs> fight club or like oh, jokes right up your alley. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I was like. And, like, to a degree, it's, like, yeah, like, kind of, but also to a degree, like, those movies and books kind of, like, wish that they could be this The this twist book. is she's been trying to stay awake this whole time. Whoa! Uh, uh, uh. Figure it out. No, that's not it. But <laughs> I would Made say... Ruin it. Uh, I'm not... I will, I will never ruin it. Uh, yeah, I would say go check it out. Um, my year of rest and relaxation... By Otessa Moshveg. Again, apologies for the pronunciation of the name. All right. Our next segment, How to Be a Better Buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. Our first question this week, what hobby did you have that got ruined by other participants slash fans of that same hobby? Ooh. Mm, Fuck. Um, I'd say, like, I don't know that my enjoyment of it got ruined, but sometimes, like, being a Star Wars fan, uh, this happens yeah. a bit with yeah. Eli. <laughs> like, if Eli just fucking hates Star Wars fans. <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah. Oh. Honestly, any hardcore fan can be kind of hard to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I remember getting into a debate once on Reddit. Not a long debate, but just enough to be like, alright, dude. Um, With the Fallout game franchise, where some guy was saying, like, the only real Fallout games are Fallout 1 and 2, back when it was isometric, (laughs) top-down. And it's like, alright, dude, but, like, look at what they did when they made the, like, first-person RPG ones, and how it's got a much, much wider success, and brings fans in who say, oh, there are one and two? Maybe I'll go try those. And he was like, no, they're not real. They're not real fans. Even though they might want to try the new ones, they're not real fans. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, like, I don't know. I think there's a super position you can hold where it's like you can acknowledge, like, the uh, the contribution of the originals. And, like, you you'd think that somebody who, like, felt so passionately would be confident, you would hope, in their own uh in their own feelings for the games that they wouldn't feel the need to like you know gatekeep 
yeah like like evangelize about like how people should actually do this instead you know i i kind of feel the same way honestly to kind of like borrow from you a little bit i kind of feel the same way about like um i don't know like reading like philosophy because even fucking saying that shiver But like, I, it's something you I say the words reading philo- I read like I read philosophy, and my stomach, my gut reaction was fucking nerd. <laughs> I know, dude. Like, you can't even like because people like it's just been fucking ruins. Like, it just people just fucking ruin it because about to come in here with some like bullshit. God doesn't exist. Nothing is real, and everyone should be depressed. Shit. Let me enjoy life. Yeah, I mean, I was honestly, RJ, I was thinking exactly like, like, I really like reading Friedrich Nietzsche. Like, I, I think he's a That's genuinely the name great. I was thinking of was Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Yeah. And like, the thing is, like, he's been fucking like, this is a very common take by this point. But like, he's been fucking ruined, like, and other shit <laughs> like him has been ruined. Because like, people f- simplify his message, and then they just like spread it all over everywhere and they wouldn't i don't know i mean i'm gonna I'm gonna start getting like podium pounding here but <laughs> yeah i i don't know i would say that because um it, it, yeah it, it'd be cool to be able to kind of talk about stuff like that um i mean i understand it because at the same time too like when someone's like well actually i read philosophy like it'd be like somebody being like well actually i read books about quantum physics and you're like well actually i don't read because reading is for nerds i use a kindle (laughs) because because actually intelligent people have never had to read to begin with they just know things checkmate dude (laughs) i'm telepathic i can't beat that guy just came out of the womb with all that all that shit in his brain um you know what hobby yeah. i have that got that i don't know if i got ruined by my part i don't know if i ru- i'm ruining the hobby by my participation in it or if the other people participating are ruining it for me is lego oh not like it's anything's actually getting ruined because lego is developing more sets aimed at an older audience but also it's that like Oh, you're a fucking 25 year old man who uh, buys the Star Wars and Marvel Legos in the Walmart toy aisle. Mm. Mm. Dude, I don't know. I mean, like, I get the stigma to a degree. If that was like the only thing you did, like, perhaps that would be a source of discussion or whatever. But at the same time, like, I, I think if you enjoy it, I also see it as really no different other than like building a model ship. You yeah. know, like, I, it's because that's like, what it is. But yeah, I mean, people like, who build model ships are also fucking nerds. So. Yeah, everyone's got their fucking their fucking thing, you know? Like that's that's totally fine. Yeah. Go be a nerd. Yeah, awesome. fuck. Why not? Really the only license you have to be able to call other people nerds is being a nerd, so. Yeah, I mean, but you got to be a cool one. You can't be a lame one. You got to be a cool one who's got a pocket protector and tape on your glasses. Otherwise you're a fake yeah, nerd. You actually have to like have genuine care about like the things you do. Like I don't know. I might rail against. Oh my Marvel. god, that's the difference. Cool people it don't is. care. Nerds care. <laughs> no, well, I mean, like, like, I think, I think you can have both, but like, I do think, for instance, like, you know, I've met people like you. You know, I, I'm not. You know, I. You about to I've, call me a nerd, James? Well, I'm. Do, am I, I caring too let, much? Do I need to care less let, about this podcast? Let me explain. <laughs> 
I was going to say, like, specifically, you know, like, I've railed fucking forever about, like, Marvel movies or whatever. But, like, the thing is, like, I know people like you who have been into it for, like, for, like, since they were a kid because it was, like, they were, like, literally grandfathered. The sacred like, texts. Yeah. Like, so that, to a degree, I have, like, an appreciation of because, to me, it's, like, kind of the same thing with, like, me and the movies that my dad showed me or like the songs or bands or you know whatever it's yeah. like it's something like that so it's like i can respect that way more like way more than i respect the people who just like kind of latch on to the thing i don't know i'm not i'm not gonna gatekeep like you liking something but i do think like oftentimes like kind of what we're talking about like oh things God. aren't you just reminded me of one of my favorite moments. So what? I, it's so horrible of me. It's bad. I'm so sorry. Um, so my brother was having a little bit of a party one time, and some of his friends were over. And one, we were just—I was just sitting at the table eating my food. You know, like I got some food. I was home. I was just vibing with the party food. I was having a good time, and I was sitting at the yeah. kitchen table. And he, him, and his like friends all come and get some food, and they sit down there. And one of his friends is just talking about Marvel movies. And, like, theorizing mm-hmm. about, like, I don't know, Black Widow, maybe, or something. Like, all these theories about Marvel. Like, they were going off on Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I just started... They're like, oh, I'm, just, I'm the biggest Marvel fan. I just said, oh, movies or comics? <laughs> yeah. And just... It was so petty of me, but I shut that kid down. That's so funny, though. They were just going off the movie stuff, trying to make predictions just on movies. And it's like, well, really, they're probably actually going to do this, because based on the comics, they did this, this, and this. See, that's why I say it, dude. I say it all the time. That's why you got to read shit. You know what I mean? Because, like, then, oh, like, and that's the thing, too, is, like, there's nothing wrong with somebody who just gravitates towards that stuff because of, like, the movies or whatever. But kind of, like, we've been, I think we've been kind of getting at, like, oftentimes, like. Don't be a know-it-all. Well, yeah, don't, yeah, don't be that, don't be the fucking, like, fallout guy, but, like, like, cool things usually aren't ruined by the people who genuinely care about them, they're ruined by the people who get obsessed with, like, them irrationally. Being the way they want them to be. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, and ignoring, like, especially ignoring the history of something, you know, like, yeah, that's the cool thing from what I've heard is like the the Marvel movies actually do try to incorporate like references and lore and things like that from the comics. So it's not totally just ignoring like the, the actual like grounding of the material for the sake of like pumping out blockbusters. Like they're actually trying pretty hard to like connect with both sides of the audience, which is admirable for, and I, I like it some before too. I think really more of my, dislike for marvel is not marvel it's more it's more disney but that's a whole other conversation so uh calvin any final thoughts on hobbies getting ruined by participants slash fans uh not really all right just wanted to check before we move on to our next question men how do you keep your living spaces smelling fresh with the further details i swear i have a good cleaning schedule i vacuum sweep and clean weekly but sometimes my place still just smells like well man especially my bedroom any tips Open a window. I find just airing out the place usually always helps. I would ask yeah. how often you change your sheets. That's another good one. 
and blankets. Yeah. Sheets is the easy one because it's like, oh, everybody's like, oh, you got to change sheets. You got to wash the blankets too. Yep. Sheets, blankets. I honestly say there's nothing wrong with getting a few scented candles. Honestly, not. Yeah. Like, and if you can't have candles because of your apartment codes or whatever, they're these super cheap but pretty effective like little pop scent things. They're made of plastic. You can find them at Walmart for like 97 yep. cents. You just pop yep. it, set it out on the counter in this inconspicuous spot. You're good to go. Or a can of Febreze. Or that. Just don't go overboard because I find that's sometimes worse. Mm. Yeah. Really cloying really quickly. You got to really be careful with it. Yeah, you got and that's like you get used to your own scent and stuff and the sounds and like smells of your own living space cuz you're just in it all the time. So like when you're trying to make when you're trying to make it smell better to you, it's very easy to kind of go overboard cuz you're trying to cut through that. Yeah. That's why I find it just better to air it out. Yeah. Fresh air always helps. Fresh. Also check what like products you're using to clean. Because you can clean your apartment, but if you're not using, like, scented products, it's not going to smell clean. Very true. Uh, our next question. How much to tip the barber? Uh, with the further details. Hi. How much do I tip a barber who cut my hair and also trimmed my beard and lined it up? Don't give me no percentages, bitch. Just cash them out. The haircut costs $30. Uh, Between 5 to 10, however much you want. 5 would be the very low. Yeah. I'm going to say, like, 5 or 7 or something like that. Is... Five really low because that's almost twenty percent. I I am always of the belief that you should over tip your barber mm. because if your barber doesn't like you, that's that that's how you get a bad haircut and that can last a long time. So I'd rather be in my in good graces with my barber. I, I agree. Twenty percent. I mean, 20, 20% of 30 would be 6. Okay, I was right the first time. I don't know why. I just started... Yeah. So I would say... So, yeah. When I used to get buzz cuts, it would usually cost 15 bucks, and I always and I always just paid 20 So that's like... Fair. That's way more than 20%. So... Yeah, I usually... I even Wait, like, did I say 30? I meant 20. Wait, what did I say? You said, you said, you said that said, it cost 15, so you'd pay 20. Yeah, what I, I don't even know what I said anymore. I was reading numbers and thinking. <laughs> I I think it's even just like beyond like barbers. I think it's a good idea to like over tip. Okay, like, good. I usually I usually over tip like almost everywhere I go. Like I think it's just like a good sign. It's a mm. sign of like good faith. Like I don't know. Um, I'm not gonna be like condescending and be like, well, you know, those people really need it. Like that's. I've heard some people use that and just that sounds really like <laughs> condescending. That sounds really yeah, it sounds really out of touch to me. I think it's more like, yeah, dude, like How much could a banana cost, Michael? A hundred dollars? Well it's and it's like who cares, dude? Like they're like whatever, just show them a little bit of extra love. Come on. Like I you know, they're working in a fucking restaurant, like why not? You know, who cares? This I do think I, we should abolish tipping, but oh, that's yeah. a separate discussion. I like. I would agree. I mean, I'm that stingy bastard who tips low. So, I do. I mean, think even it, even if they that means they increase prices by a bit. I don't care. I'd rather know what I have to pay right away, and then you just expect a level of service. Like you should just do the job. <laughs> 
Yeah, but the nice thing too about tipping, for instance, is like, I don't know, like, um, and obviously it's this is very contextual, but for instance, like, uh, you know, did you know? I didn't know this until like last year. One of my mom told me because she worked she worked as like a waitress in like a bunch of different places, but um, or like a bar back or something. But if uh, you know you when you write down a tip, for instance, if you're paying with card, so you write down that tip on like the receipt or whatever they give you, that that is the one that gets like split between all the like all the staff essentially and the restaurant itself um if you pay like if you give them money like bills that's theirs to keep so so in you this could act- society where we use less cash money every day they're getting tipped less i don't well i mean yeah but that's my thing too is like with tipping like you can actually you can literally per, like help personally support somebody i think that's kind of cool because i i agree like i think tipping is stupid i think it's a way for businesses to essentially get like really cheap labor all the yeah. time um but at the same time if they removed it there's a good chance that like those businesses would would only notch up the amount like that they're paying to their workers to like the bare minimum. And I could foresee a possibility where there's a chance they'd be making even less over a long-term period. Um, I don't know this for certain at all. This is like a, this is like a shot in the dark. So I I've never worked in, in a place where I've been like tipped before. So I can't say. But, um, yeah, I'm that guy who does pick up orders on everything food related. Cause I just don't want to tip. I'll put the work. In. I think that, no, I mean, I think that's fair. Like, I mean, even like Uber drivers, like, oh, even tip, I almost every Uber driver, like I tip like five bucks. I'm like, why not? Have you seen all this stuff about if you do uh DoorDash that apparently, uh, the tip is actually what makes them any money at all. So if the tip is too low, um, they won't do, like, that's why it can take longer for your order to get picked up. And because they'll wait until DoorDash, um, how it works is they up the percentage. They pay the dasher after a certain amount of time has passed. So they'll either wait until it gets to a point where it's worth it to them, or if the tip is high enough that it's already worth it, then they'll snag it. Did you also hear, yeah. Ben, that apparently there was some controversy where people would post high tips to get people to pick up their orders and then change it afterwards? Oh. That's scummy. Yeah. That's awful. I remember hearing that's about that like, a while That's ago. how you get it, someone throwing your food out the window of their car as they're driving. Yeah, dude. I Yeah. Well, I mean, like DoorDash as a company is, I mean, great I'm idea. <laughs> but yeah, they like, I've had it for, I, I, I've talked to like small business owners in Marquette about this and they, they were like, um, they hated it. They didn't like it. They, they were like, if we can, we use our own proprietary, like we just have our yeah. own quote, quote, delivery service because DoorDash literally just, it leeches off yeah. of business. Like it, it just totally, gouges whoever uses it and like granted it's cool that you can get your food super quickly but like they're they're literally draining money out of like <laughs> your community when they're giving you a burger it's pretty it's pretty shitty um boy, I say, boy 
but yeah, I, I'm not a fan of them. Our next question. What do you think will be the most important discoveries for mankind going forward? And I choose AI that doesn't try to kill us. Oh, that's a pretty good answer, honestly. Like a friendly AI? Yeah. That and, like, how to turn uh, Mars rocks into life-sustaining materials. I would just say FTL in general. I would say... Being able to colonize other systems. That and, like, terraforming. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the actual, like, basics of of space colonization. Here's my question. What do we invent (laughs) after that? Like, all of sci-fi that we have right now, at least as far as I've experienced, all science fiction has been pointing at that point where we colonize the rest of the universe. And, like, we colonize planets, and we have robo-arms and jetpacks and laser guns and all that cool shit, but, like, what's the next step? What do you mean? I mean... We build jet. We build a jetpack, but then like, what's the next cool thing to invent? Just I don't want to get too. Pack? No, I don't want to get too froofy. Would probably literally it literally be like some trans dimensional like bullshit. Like it'd be well, like figure out how to how to like hop universe like multiverse shit. I think. there's that, but then I would also argue it's something that we can't think of. Because if you would have asked someone in the 1800s, I don't think they would have said, oh, the next invention is going to be colonizing other worlds. Like, maybe they would have. Uh, but the gen- Yeah, but that those were the really out there kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. mo- for the most part, it was, oh, let's just figure out where the other side of this continent is and stuff. So I think some of it is we won't have a frame of reference until we progress further. Okay. Agreed. I, I can agree with that. I can take that as a good answer. I would say too, like for me, I would say, uh, wait, what was that? What was the question again? What was like the question specifically? What, what are what we, do you think? what's what? So science fiction right now is like space colonization and jetpacks and like robot mm-hmm. replacement arms and like, transferring your brain into new bodies and that kind of stuff so like yeah. what's after that like cool we get robots that are robots and we can like transport human brains into new bodies easily and we have spaceships so what what do we invent next I would also, government <laughs> yeah there you go i i would also argue there doesn't have to be a something next i could see That's that what i mean cavemen said about fire but see, that's my point, is that we don't know <laughs> yeah. what can be next. Fair. No, I mean, I don't know. I like. I think it's a really good point where it's like you can't even, I don't know. It's the whole thing of not even cavemen, but just imagine trying to explain like what the internet is to the guy who invented the, the printing press. You know what I mean? Yeah, like trying to explain like this is exa- this is where this is going. Like I don't even know what we don't even know what fucking people are gonna look like. You know, five hundred years from now, I don't even know what people looked like really like five hundred years ago. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, like there's there's no way to conceive of it, but that's what makes it kind of exciting, I suppose. We're just gonna have a bunch of space cars. It's like I hope, I hope that are yeah. strapped to rockets, and we just drive those around. And can you believe the commute from Mars to Venus? Oh my god. 
just you kidding me 10 minutes i waited for 10 minutes <laughs> i can walk through a doorway and be on earth in two seconds ridiculous teleportation these, these fat cats with their teleportation technology hoarding it from the good people well i i that is why i like that one series and granted i, I only read like one? the expanse okay i I, I have not seen the show and I've only read about half of the first book, but I really liked how they like set up the world um, and just kind of the different relationships where it's like all these different planets have been like the people colonize, whether it's like the asteroid belt or Mars or whatever. Not only are the, the cultures different because they've been like separate from from the home planet from Earth, but also like the people have like changed physiologically in the hundred or so odd years a couple you know hundred years you should try reading the book that i've recommended before on this podcast only superhuman it is a trashy adventure story but it does do some exploration of that like adaptations based on living in the asteroid belt versus the inner colonies versus earth versus etc i think it's so fascinating i do think it's like just the concept of like there being a day one day where like earth is not it's not the only planet <laughs> you know what i mean like that's a yeah. really like bizarre concept i think it's cool i have no idea how long it will take us like to get to that point um but it would be cool i think well our next question what's the best excuse for not lending my car politely uh and here the best excuse is because i fucking said not to you horrible <laughs> person go jump in a lake and take a swim with the ducks. How dare you ask me for such an easy favor? You absolute yellow bellied fishmonger. You truly so think polite. you can get anything out of me. Thou, which come from the lowliest of termites. What Damn are you reading. Somebody hold this man back. <laughs> He's spitting sick. That's the rudest I can be while being polite. Um, I would say, like, so we have, like, we have to say no. So we have to have come to up say with no. something. No excuse for not lending out the car. Um, and it has to be an excuse, because you can't just say no. That's not an excuse. My insurance won't let me. There you go. That's actually a really good one. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I would say uh, the exhaust system's broken, and uh, there's a chance you could get low-grade carbon monoxide poisoning so i wouldn't risk it sorry i gotta get it fixed <laughs> take a switchblade out of your pocket flip it open stab it into your tire and say sorry i've got a flat oh Just my flash your own tires look at that just the one be unfortunate if it was not a just a tire that that happened to but somebody who was asking about the car to which the tire was attached <laughs> uh it's your project car and you don't want to lend it out to anyone until you're done uh fixing it up uh say um i don't know say it's been commandeered by the british empire they're not letting you there you've been impressed say that <laughs> if they drive your car they're technically like then they work for you forever you're uh you're sovereign you're a sovereign nation from the united states and your car yeah. is your territory <laughs> yeah technically speaking if you drive my car that's an act of international terror it <laughs> 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 will call the un my car is actually a transformer and it's in hiding right now it can't go out in public or the cia is gonna beat it up for being an alien 
Yeah, he only talks through the radio, but it's like really bad talk radio, so I kind of low-key hate him. <laughs> um, my car is Kit from Knight Rider and is just waiting for David Hasselhoff to come back. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Oh, um, what? Nothing. Okay. My car is a time machine, and if you drive over 25 miles an hour, you're going to go back in time, and your mom's going to fall in love with you. Say, uh, I don't know. You can make it, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's really uncomfortable. <laughs> Ooh, here's an excuse for not lending your car. Um, your TV's broken. What's the Well, how does that work? Well, it's your TV's an excuse. Broken. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Come on, James. Yeah, TV's broken. Catch up, James. Yeah. Don't be unreasonable. I'm sorry. The t- <laughs> your recliner in your house is broken. It's stuck in the reclining position and you can't get out to give them the keys. Uh, <laughs> oh, Even fuck. you're standing in front of them? Yep. God. That actually would be pretty funny. Hey, can I use your car? Here's, no, no. Here's an My excuse TV. for you. Uh, you already agreed to let your car be borrowed for a bikini car wash. Oh, damn. Well, now you're just literally rubbing it in his face or her face, depending. Say, um, say sure, like, no, because you can't, you have to tell them no. Um, what if you just said okay, but you did like a Cape Fear thing and you just hid, you just like hung on to the undercarriage? Ooh, you know what you do? Actually, that's a good idea, James, except for one thing. What you do is say, Oh yeah, sure. You know, just just let me know when it is you need it, and then turn the car like you're getting into the car and turning it on. And when you turn it on, just be like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you," and drive away. Uh, <laughs> uh say yes, but um, you get one free chance. You get one free hit. Like you get to hit that person for free with your car at any speed that you want. At any time. <laughs> no, and like before they could use it. No, no, anytime. Oh, anytime? Anytime. Oh, damn. Oh, like... Also, like, any speed is really bad, because you could just, like, hoist that thing up with a crane and drop it. Yeah, I know. So, but like... traveling at any speed. Any speed, any direction, any place. Anytime. Anytime. They're on their date with... The, the last date before they're, uh, they get married... Like they're engaged to someone, and you have that promise from them. You can hit them at any time, and you're just sitting outside the restaurant window, and you rev the engine. Like you see them turn in with fear in their eyes, and you slowly God. drive away. <laughs> that would actually be like, uh, I could see, I could see that being like uh, some kind of skit for sure. I would, I would totally watch that. I mean, it is a skit. It just happened in How I Met Your Mother with a slap. What about what if you just say that? Uh you don't know how to drive you're like these are my real keys and it's like a set of like like big novelty like plastic baby, baby keys. keys yeah <laughs> there we go that's the best one i just don't know i'm sorry well our last question this week what's the worst questions you slash they can ask on a first date and i think the worst question might be what's the best excuse for not lending my car <laughs> <laughs> i would uh, yeah i mean i i don't know about that one though because that would at least lead to some interesting conversation um, the worst the worst question how do you feel uh, about toe fungus 
Ugh, gross. How about, um, uh... uh James, come on. I was going to make a really mean joke and be like, what's your horoscope? Because <laughs> <laughs> I would honestly, if prompted correctly, I would ask the same question. So um, I'm going to ask it demurely uh, and subtly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you know how long uh, you're supposed to wait for the lights to be gone? What about... Um, um, Oh, here we go. Uh, nope. You just asked them. We're not within 500 feet of a school, right? <laughs> there we go. That's probably the worst question someone could ask you. Here's a question That's... for it. Like, building off of that. Is it worse if it's a guy or a girl? I don't know that it matters. I mean, I don't know. I, f- I feel like there's a little bit of social stigma around it where, like, it's ex- that's a question would be expected from a guy. So if a girl asks it, it's like an even bigger alarm bell. I don't know what to think if I was going out with like, like you meet a girl on Tinder, like she's cute. And then like, she says that. And I'd be like, I would be lying if I said I I wouldn't be curious. I'd be like, why do you need to know? (laughs) Why is that important? Um, What if, what if it's a test though? What if she's testing you and that if you don't walk away, then she knows you're into the, someone who has done something that would limit them from being by a school, and therefore you're not safe. I mean, to uh, be fair, that's what kind if, of what if you some... know she? What if you know it's a test? So you go, you walk away, and then you pass. What if you know it's a test, and like the fact that it's a test means that it's one of the most insane things that anybody could ever try (laughs) no that's that's fair the test in itself is a red flag that you should keep walking but (laughs) at the same time not gonna lie if there was some girl who was like oh my god if she tried to do that and i figured that out i would be i'm not gonna lie like there's a worst question for you how do you feel about testing your relationships yeah, I mean, like, dude, you would think at first you'd be like, oh, my God, what? like, can't wait for this date, cute girl, can't wait. Then you get there and she asks that question. You're like, is this girl a pedophile? <laughs> and then you figure out it's a test and you're like, oh, my God, she's not a pedophile. She's just crazy. And then <laughs> you'd be she's like, just a psychopath. Then you'd be like, is that better? (laughs) Actually, that's actually a lot of empathy for other people, even if it's filtered through a completely psychotic (laughs) execution. I have a question for you both. Is the following question better or worse than that test? Is your dad hot? Oh. Um. I don't know that it's better. I just don't know that it's worse. Fair. I would be really, I would, well, what I, I would be disappointed if I got that question. Um, I feel like that's, I feel like, I feel like daddy issues are real 2018. Yeah. We got to progress beyond that, ladies. (laughs) Get over it. (laughs) So what? Stepbrother issues? No, dude, that's more like that's twenty. That's like twenty twenty one bullshit. We're we're done with that. You know, we're done having psychological complexes. Psychology is. So, I don't believe that. Psychology <laughs> is it's a bold statement. <laughs> bold statement, James. That's that's what I'll do. Is I'll open up a therapy clinic uh, and I'll literally. Calvin, I'll you know just, what it is. Like, what twenty twenty two is the year of denial. 
No, I said we can't have psychological complexes, so there can't be. That, that's, that's right, James. That's there won't denial. be. That's not how denial works, stupid. I would listen know. just because you're in <laughs> denial <laughs> um, about your denial. That's not how it doesn't work. Listen, all right. Uh, get over it. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I would do. I think that'd be really funny if uh, you opened up a therapy clinic and so, like your first patient was somebody who like really just poured their heart out to you. And you just responded like with a really over the top, almost like a sitcom, like, get over it. And then, yeah, and then you do and then like the a audience dance. clapped and you mugged the, the camera. It, it turns out that their entire like this incredibly heart wrenching, like self-induced episode of psychological relevation was all actually for America's new hottest sitcom. Get over it. <laughs> That would be actually pretty good. That would break somebody mentally, but um, it'd break a lot of people if it went into syndication. Yeah, it totally would. <laughs> Can you imagine? My God, well, I don't know that I want to. I think this is good. Fox, I think we're I gonna be done now. I have a pitch network. Nope. <laughs> All right, so TV execs, you're already mentally destroying the population of America. But what if you could destroy one more person with each episode? Here's, like here's the thing guys like everyone knows that like yeah like you're psychologically d- damaging millions but here's the thing what if we a million own, and one what if we owned it oh. you know <laughs> if we own it that means people can't make fun of us for it because we're in on the joke exactly being meta absolves all responsibility or culpability like Makes if a murderer if a murderer, yes. If a murderer is aware, self-aware that he's committing a murder, it actually can't be murder. Yep. You know. That's the three strikes rule. That is the three strikes rule. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he has to know he's committing the murder. He commits the murder. But because he knows he's committing the murder, it's not murder. Third strike, you're out. <laughs> Damn, he's got us, boys. Fuck. All right. That, I think that's it for this week. If you didn't find some advice in that segment, um, listen to it again. Yeah. Or get over it. <laughs> Thank you both for joining this week. It was a real pleasure, and uh, it lifted up the end of, end of my work week. So thank you. Of course. More than happy. Uh, thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes or Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Check your local retailer. Um, I hear the Walgreens is getting into the business, podcast business. Um, you can also find us on social media. Facebook, Better Buddies. We have our Meme Mondays and our Icebreaker questions for you to answer. Uh, Twitter, at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. Or our Gmail account, betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. And last, but not least, be a better buddy. Shall we start the show? No. Okay, yes, sir. Uh, Calvin, it's been good. 
but uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to ask you to leave for a little bit so James and I can record and you can come back. Okay. Bye. Okay. James, right. we're gonna start in three, two.